Deuteronomy chapter 32. Thank God for his goodness to us. Deuteronomy 32. Let's, uh, let's read, starting in the first, first verse tonight, Deuteronomy 32. Let's stand, if you will, a moment. And I want to go back tonight to a subject we started a couple of Wednesday nights ago. Uh, sometimes I struggle uh, finishing messages, and... Uh, I had several people tell me, please finish this one. We want to hear more of it. And so I'm going to try. We're at least going to uh, go, uh, at least preach the, the second thought tonight. Uh, at least go a little further into the thought tonight. Deuteronomy chapter number 32. Uh, this is, let me give you some context. Well, let me just read it. I'll pray and you can have a seat and I'll give you context. How about that? Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 1, Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak, and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. My doctrine shall drop as the rain, my speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb, as the showers upon the grass. Because I will publish the name of the Lord, ascribe ye greatness unto our God. He is the rock, his work, his work is perfect. For all his ways are judgment, a God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. Boy, isn't there a lot of preaching in verse number four. Verse five, they have corrupted themselves, their spot is not the spot of his children. They are a perverse and crooked generation. Do ye thus requite the Lord, O foolish people and unwise? Is not he thy father that hath bought thee? Hath he not made thee and established thee? I want you to notice the next verse tonight, the exhortation of Moses to the people of God. He said, here's what I want you to do. Remember the days of old. Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask thy father and he will show thee thy elders and they will tell thee. Now I want you to flip over a few verses. Same chapter, verse 29. Moses still speaking. This is still the song of Moses. Verse 29. Oh, that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would consider their latter end. We'll stop reading there and pray tonight. Brother Tripp, if you'll give me just a touch more monitor, please, sir, I would appreciate it. Let's pray tonight. Heavenly Father, thank you tonight for the word of God. We ask you to help us as I uh, preach. Lord, give me that that I need. God, speak to our hearts. Lord, uh, give us wisdom, give us unction, give us uh, direction and discernment God, may the Spirit of God make preaching what it needs to be. God, there's folks here tonight, they're, they're lost, they need to be saved maybe. There's folks here tonight, God, and they're struggling in their personal life and they need help. 
Or there's folks here tonight, God, and they're weak, they're tired, they're worn out. And I pray, God, that you'd give them strength that they need, both physically and spiritually, but especially spiritually tonight. God, speak to our hearts, remind us of truth tonight. We'll thank you for it. In Christ's name, amen. All the Lord's people said, amen. You can be seated tonight. Let me give you a little context to Deuteronomy chapter 32 uh, this evening. This is the last book uh, of Moses. Uh, it is called the Pentateuch. That's the, the Pena, that's five. Uh, there are five books written by Moses. This is the last of the five, the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, Joshua comes next because Joshua's generation comes next. Moses is not an old man per se. He's maybe getting up there in years, but when he dies, his natural strength, the Bible said, is not abated. Uh, his eyes are not dim. Moses dies because Israel's about to go into Canaan, and God has already commanded that Moses is not going into Canaan because of his disobedience. And so Moses is coming to the end of his ministry, and it is in this chapter, chapter number 32, that God is at the end of the chapter that God is going to command Moses, I want you to go up Mount Nebo and die. Before you get there, I'm going to let you see all of Canaan, but you're not going to go into Canaan. And uh, you're going to go up on the mountain and you're going to die. Somebody said, preacher, that's awful terrible of the Lord. Not if you believe that there's a heaven coming. Not if you believe that this life is not the end. God tells him, this is the end of your life. Moses didn't take his life. I've got some, I've got some theories on how God took him out of here. Me and Brother Tripp were talking about it yesterday. And uh, here's what my theory is. God told Moses, no man can see my face and live. And I, I just can't help but believe uh, at Moses when he comes up on Mount Nebo and he's wondering the whole time, now God said I'm gonna die up here. What's gonna happen? Is a lion gonna get me? Is a bear gonna get me? Am I gonna fall off of the cliff? And then just possibly the Lord reveals his face to Moses and said, Moses, it's time for you to come on up hither and no man can see God's face and live. And I, I don't know, I can't prove it, but it sure does good for preaching tonight that God revealed himself to Moses and brought Moses into the presence of God eternally. I do know this much, when I leave this world, I'm glad it's not the end tonight. I'm glad there's another world coming greater than this world we're living in tonight. Moses is giving, uh, this is a song, uh, and he has written this song uh, and gives it to Israel. Uh, there's judgment in this song. There's praise in this song. There's uh, reminders in this song uh, that God gives to Moses, that Moses gives to Israel. But one thing that stood out to me, one thing that I could not get past as I read it, is that Moses exhorts the people of God. He said, I, I want you to remember some things. I want you to consider some things. And I preached a couple of Wednesday nights ago on some things that you and I ought to consider. And here we do know this much, Moses is at the end of his days, not because his, uh, of his age, but because God has told him, you're not going to live anymore, Moses. I'm bringing you home, and another generation is going uh, into Canaan, and you're not going with them. And so Moses knows 
that his days are coming to an end. And one thing that I know by being around people who have come to the end of their life because of their health, because of their age, uh, that I've been around enough of them that people begin to remember things of old. People begin to look back at their life and, and, and some good things and some bad things. They begin to recognize or to reflect upon that which has been lived. And the only thing that I had to reflect upon tonight uh, is that that I have lived uh, behind me, that that has already uh, been consumed by time in my life. Moses begins to reflect and he begins to remember and he begins to consider. And he says to them, I, I wish you were in my place. I wish you would take the time to remember. I wish you would take the time to consider. As I read that, the Lord began to speak to me on the value of personal reflection in your life. Do you realize tonight you don't have to wait till you get to the end of your life to reflect upon your life? You don't have to wait till you get to the end of your days to remember your days or to consider your days. As a matter of fact, Moses is at the end of his, but he's telling the generation that are just getting started, here's what I want you to do. I want you to consider, I want you to remember, I want you to think upon your life. I read a verse this afternoon as I, as I, as I read through this text. I'll, I'll read it to you tonight. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 47. He says, Moses says, for it is not a vain thing for you because it is your life. And through this thing you shall prolong your days in the land. He said, this is, listen to the words of my law. Listen to what I've got to say. This is not vanity speaking. This is not a vain thing for you. It is your life. Oh, tonight that we would put value on our life, that which has been lived, that which is being lived right now and that which will be lived one day if God is gracious to us in letting us live. I know this much, I've only got one life to live down here and I want to live it to the glory of God the best that I can. It's not a vain thing, it is your life. Uh, I, I, I want to... Uh, preach tonight on some things that you and I ought to consider. I, I, I told you the definition of the word consider. I don't think that you're ignorant. I don't think that you don't know, but just to emphasize it again tonight, I'll give the definition of the word consider. And Moses tells us twice in chapter 32 to consider. And here's what the word consider means. It means to view attentively. It means to set the mind or the eye to. It means to view or examine carefully to fix one's mind upon. Moses said, I want you to give special attention. I want you to, I want you to consider the things of old. I want you to remember the things of old. I want you to consider the truths that I'm giving you. I want you to consider the years of many generations. I thought about that, some things that you and I ought to consider tonight. Whether you're young or old, whether you're beginning life or coming to the end of life or in the middle of life, there ought to be things in your life that you make it a custom, you make it a part of your life to reflect on these things. One of those things is we ought to consider the things that are behind us. 
It ought to be the goal of every child of God in here tonight to sit down and think about the things that are behind us. Because it is those things that are behind me uh, that are helping me learn how to live right now. It is those things that are behind me that's made me who I am. It is those things that are behind me that's brought me to the point in life that I am. And there's some good things back there and some bad things back there. And we'll get to that in a moment. But it is worthy of my consideration. I remember I was thinking, uh, I remember being a kid in school and uh, they had pr- pretty much done away with prayer in the public school. And uh, I-, I had teachers that would still pray and there were students who would pray. I remember one time in class uh, uh, we were having a meal and one of the young men said, uh, said uh, aren't we supposed to pray before we eat? And the teacher said, yeah, we are. Let's pray. And we all bowed our heads and prayed right in the public school. I know you couldn't do that probably today uh, without a lawsuit. But uh, thank God for for, uh, for, for a time when you could and thank God for somebody who was willing. But I, I remember we had the, the morning announcements. They'd come on the speaker and I remember our principal, uh, Mr., uh, Mr. Adams, uh, was my principal and then when he uh, retired, Mr. Cooper was our principal. And I remember both of those men, here was what they would say. Uh, young people, uh, let's pause and maybe, maybe some of y'all remember this. Maybe they did it here. I don't know. But they'd say, let's pause for a silence to reflect upon the day's activities. There wasn't a day in my school career as the time I was in public school that we didn't start with that, at least when I was in elementary school. Let's pause for a moment of silence to reflect upon the day's activities. I, I didn't know what that meant. I remember asking a teacher one time and I said, what does that mean? And, and he was a Christian and he said, well, if you want to think about today, you can think about today. If you believe there's a God like I do, uh, you can talk to him during this time. And, and I, I, I remember that. But as a grown man, I thought about that the other day, uh, that, that I was given the opportunity to pause and think and reflect upon the day's activities. I wonder tonight how many people take the time to stop what you're doing and think about things that are behind you. To stop what you're doing and think about things that are before you. That's right now in the moment. And to stop in your life and think about things that are beyond you. Because here's what your life is made up of tonight. It's made up of things behind you. It's made up of things before you right in the moment. And it is made up of things beyond you. And I don't know how far beyond things are for me or you. It may be a day. It may be 10 days. It may be 30, 40, 50 years. I hope it's a long time. But there are things beyond me. That ought to cause some consideration. Is anybody hearing me tonight? Take time in your life to stop what you're doing and consider these things. Now let me go back tonight and finish preaching. Consider the things behind you. I I, I gave to you a couple of weeks ago that there are mistakes behind you. Mistakes behind you. And it would be a good thing in your life if you would pause, if you would consider, if you would reflect upon the mistakes that are behind you in your life. You say, preacher, why would I reflect on those mistakes? And again, I'll, I'll tell you and move on tonight. It is because 
It is those mistakes that have taught us what we know today. Uh, unfortunately, most of us, and y'all can talk back to me tonight. Unfortunately, most of us learn the hard way. Most of us don't learn by listening to somebody else. We have to do it ourselves. We can't be instructed. We have to learn from the school of hard knocks and we have to find out why we don't do that because it's painful. We have to find out why we don't do that because it hurts. We have to find out why because it's not uh, expedient in our life and we've had to learn things the hard way. But here's the amazing thing. We relearning the lessons over and over and over and over again because seldom do we ever stop to think, you know, I've done this every day of my life and it never got me anywhere. I've done this same stupid thing every day of my life and I keep doing the thing that has been killing me since I started doing it. If you'd sit down at the end of your day and think, you know, what did that get me? Where did that get me? What, what is the benefit uh, in my life of this rebellion? What is the benefit in my life of this disobedience? What is the benefit in my life of me being hard-headed and doing things my own way? What did I get out of it? Are you hearing me tonight? You, 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 ever, you ever miss church and, and not because... Not because there was a legitimate issue, but just because you was lazy. You don't have to raise your hand. I know nobody wants to raise their hand, but the truth of the matter is, there's lots of folks that you really didn't have a good reason. You just, you know, you was just lazy that night or that day. And you, you, you ever miss church and 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 you you uh, you 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 got up that morning or that evening, you you wore out, you was tired, and you thought, you know, I just. I just ain't gonna go. And, 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 and then about seven o'clock when church would be starting, you, you got under conviction and thought, you know, I'm not a good Christian. You know, I, Lord, I'm sorry. I should have went to church. And you felt bad about, am I talking to anybody? Y'all don't have to, I, I know it's gonna be quiet. Y'all not gonna amen this particular point, but at least smile at me, you know. Man, I should have went to church. I, I wish I would have. I wish I would have gone to church. I wish I would have. And then uh, somebody calls you and said, "Boy, you missed it tonight." I mean, we had a humdinger. I mean, the choir sang for an hour and a half. They shouted and worshipped God. Four people got saved. I, uh, you know, uh, three people joined the church, and we had revival. Uh, we've extended it to tomorrow night. You know, and you think, man, it's just one night. How, how did how did it get that good? in just one night. But next Wednesday night roll around and you done forgot that lesson. Are y'all hearing me now? What I'm trying to tell you is, and this is what God's been working in my heart as a Christian in my personal life, every day, find time to stop at the end of that day before I go to bed, before I tell my family goodnight, before I close my eyes and sit down somewhere and think about my day, the things that I have lived in that day and the days beyond or the days before that and sit down and consider what did I do today, what did I learn today and where did it get me? Are y'all hearing me tonight? Consider the things behind you, there's mistakes back there. They're worth learning from. I mean, you had to live them. You, you had to go through the pain of that. I, I heard, and I've given you this illustration, but I've heard 
an illustration one time. I think on the radio, I think it was a commercial. You know, the, the pest commercial, on, and, they, and they give you these fun facts on, on, on the radio about bugs and different things. Well, I, I think this was that company that gave this commercial, and they, 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 here, here, was the, here was the story they told. Uh, a man owned a multi-billion dollar corporation and he hired a young man to come on with him and the young man was doing pretty good until he made a terrible mistake and that terrible mistake cost the company one million dollars. He called the young man into his office, the owner of the, the CEO of the business, the multi-million dollar corporation. He called him in and, and, and he said, what did you do? He said, man, I know I messed up. He said, how did you mess up that bad? And, and he told him and he, 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 he said, all right, I want you to go and don't do that again. The young man said, you mean you're not gonna fire me? He said, why would I fire you when I just paid a million dollars to educate you? I just paid a million dollars to teach you. I got too much invested in you now. Don't ever do that again. You reckon that young man learned that lesson? Oh, what does it cost you tonight? What does your sin cost you? What does your disobedience cost you? What does your rebellion cost you? What does your hard times and your hard head cost you? Don't forget that. There's mistakes that are back there and they're ugly. There's mistakes that are back there and they're hard to remember. You say, I don't want to think about them. No, but it would do you good to stop and think about them. Consider those things that you don't get in the same boat you were in before. Y'all hear me tonight. But here's the second one tonight. Not only the mistakes that are behind you, but there are the mercies that are behind you. I, I want you to go back to Deuteronomy tonight, and you're probably still there, chapter number 32. Let, let me just, just throw out some verses. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm verse number five. We're talking about the mistakes, and I guess these would be worse than mistakes. You know, uh, mistakes are not always sinful, but these are sinful mistakes. This is the accusation that is thrown at the nation of Israel by God. Verse five, they have corrupted themselves. Their spot is not the spot of his children. They are a perverse and crooked generation. Uh, look, look, look in, uh, I mean, you can about jump anywhere in Deuteronomy chapter 32. Look in verse number 16. They provoked him to jealousy with strange gods. With abominations provoked they him to anger. Verse 17, they sacrificed unto devils, not to God, to gods whom they knew not, to new gods that came newly up, whom your fathers feared not. Of the rock that begot thee, thou art unmindful. Is that not a testimony of this generation? The rock that begot them, they are unmindful of him. And has forgotten that God formed thee. Oh, are these not sinful mistakes? And you can read all through Deuteronomy 32, one accusation after a number or after another, Moses says, I want to remind you of yesterday's mistakes. Don't repeat them. But I want you to go with me the same chapter tonight, verse number 43. You get to the end of the chapter, close to the end, and the gears change. 
Verse 43, rejoice, O ye nations, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants and will render vengeance to his adversaries, watch this, and will be merciful unto his land and to his people. Moses said, I want you to consider that not only is there mistakes behind you that you need to learn from, but there is mercy behind you because you're still here right now. And there is mercy, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but there is mercy ahead of you. There's mercy behind you. And when you reflect, when you remember, when you consider, when you meditate upon that which is behind you, don't just realize that there's mistakes back there, but there's mercy back there. Lamentations 3.22, don't you love Lamentations 3.22? It is of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed because his compassions fail not. They're new every morning. Somebody said, preacher, why does God's compassion need to be new every morning? Because, because I am in need of it every morning. I need new compassion. I need new mercy because I'm going to mess up again. Thank God he's got new mercy, new compassion, and they fail not. Do you good to take a trip down memory lane just to learn from your mistakes. But when you get down there, when you, when you consider and remember those things that are behind you, the mistakes that are in your past, and you look around where you are tonight. Oh, I need some help right here. And you look around what God has put with you tonight. You look around at the people on your pew that you brought in here with you tonight. And you didn't deserve any of that. You didn't earn any of that. God didn't owe any of that to you. You say, preacher, why has God been so good to me? I tell you a good reason. It is of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. And there are some mistakes behind me, but there's a whole lot of mercy back there as well. Mercy behind me. I thought about Lamentations 3.22 is of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. I looked up the word consumed this afternoon in the Strong's Dictionary. It means, the word consumed means to, to be finished, to come to an end. It is of the Lord's mercies that we're not finished. <laughs> it is of the Lord's mercies that it's not over. How many of us tonight it should have been over? How many of us tonight it was nearly finished? It was almost over. But mercy walked in. There's mercy behind me. That's why I'm still here. There's mercy behind me. That's why it's not over. There's mercy behind me. That's why it's not finished. That's the Strong's Dictionary. The Webster, no, Webster 1828 Dictionary says the word consumed means Wasted. It is of the Lord's mercies that my life is not wasted. It means destroyed or burn up. 
It is of the Lord's mercies that I'm not finished. It's of the Lord's mercies that it's not over. It's of the Lord's mercies that my life's not wasted. It's of the Lord's mercies that it's not all been burned up. It's of the Lord's mercies that he didn't destroy me. He should have put me in hell. He should have quit talking to me. He should have quit walking with me. He should have quit caring about me, not just before I got saved, but especially since I've been saved. But it is mercy, mercy, mercy that has kept me. You sit down and reflect and consider all the mistakes behind you. I guess it'll kind of leave you a little discouraged and depressed. But it won't take long for mercy to follow up behind and say, God, I don't know why you'd love me after I did that. God, I don't know why you'd care about me all the times that I did this. But you do. Oh, y'all gonna have to help me now. But you do? Why didn't you put me in hell when I did that? Why didn't you quit when I did that? Why wasn't it over? It was nearly over. It should have been over. But God, you've been merciful. And I'll tell you, your discouragement will turn into glory. It'll turn into rejoicing. If you take a look, I think tonight maybe that's why there's not a whole lot of rejoicing Christians anymore because we're too busy to sit down and consider how bad it was, what we deserve because of it, and how good God has been that we didn't get any of it. Do us good tonight to slow down. Go home, turn the TV off, and sit down with the Lord. Consider where you would have been had God not intervened. Oh, Daniel sang that song a minute ago. I love it. That was before Jesus walked in. That was before mercy. I I like that other song. I stood in the courtroom. Uh, uh, The judge turned my way. Looks like you're guilty. Now what do you say? I spoke up your honor. I have no defense. But that's when mercy, mercy, the mercy of God walked in my life and made things right. Mercy. There's mercy back there. And I got a sneaky suspicion there's so much mercy back there behind me that when I look around at what is before me, there'll be mercy there too. And when I look ahead at what is beyond me, though I don't know what all's out there, I know there's one thing out there, there's mercy beyond me. (laughs) Hallelujah. Nehemiah chapter nine, verse 19 as the walls have been rebuilt in the book of Nehemiah, the city's been restored in Nehemiah, the gates have been rebuilt. And the Levites stood up and they began to declare, and it's in Nehemiah 9.19, here's what they said. And, 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 and here's what has happened. The city's been destroyed because of sin. The walls have been burnt down. The, the, the gates have been burnt down. And God has allowed them to go back in and to rebuild everything that was destroyed. He's allowed them to go. Boy, I'm helping myself tonight. Aren't you glad that God lets you rebuild some things that you destroyed? Some walls in your life that should have stood and you burn them down. Some doors in your life that should have stayed closed and you flung them open and all hell come raging in. 
Be careful that you don't open doors that God wants closed in your life. Windows and doors are portals to your soul. There's devils waiting to get in. There's devils waiting to get into your children. There's devils waiting to get in your marriage. There's devils waiting to destroy what God has done. But oh, aren't you glad that if you get serious with God, he's all right and interested with you rebuilding what's been broken. Here's what the Levite said. Yet thou in thy manifold mercies forsookest them not in the wilderness. He said, all that we did, why wouldn't God forsake us? And somebody said, it's a manifold mercy of God. You say, what is manifold? That means it's many folds over and over and over again. There's many folds of the mercy of God. You think you've come to the end and there's more mercy. You think you've reached the last fold and there's another fold of mercy. It is manifold mercy upon manifold mercy. Uh, verse 28 in the same chapter he said in many the Levite said in many times didst thou deliver them according to thy mercies the mercy of God is what David ran to after his great sin of adultery with Bathsheba and murder of Uriah Psalm 51 verse 1 here's what David says to God have mercy Upon me. I need mercy, David said. Oh God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgression. He said, I need mercy. I need mercy. Has anybody ever knelt before God in the middle of your storm, in the middle of your sin, in the middle of all that you messed up, and said, God, I need mercy. And is anybody here willing to testify tonight that every time you needed mercy, you found mercy? Every time you asked for mercy, there was mercy. Set of those things behind you. Daniel chapter 9, verse 18. Daniel is confessing the sin of Israel and the sin of himself and the nation, and he's praying for the nation of Israel. Daniel chapter 9, verse 18. He said, Oh my God, incline thine ear and hear. Open thine eyes and behold our desolations and the city which is called by thy name. For we do not present our supplications before thee for our righteousness, but for thy great mercies. He said, God, would you please hear me and would you please heal us and help us. And God, we're not coming to you in our righteousness. but God, we're coming to you because we heard you're full of mercy. And we're coming to you in the name of thy multitude of mercies. Oh, tonight you sit down and think, about the mercy of God that's behind you. Moses is leaving and he's pondering these things. He's thinking about his life. He goes back to that, that day when Pharaoh sent out a decree that all the baby boys in Egypt should be killed. <laughs> and his mother and his father built a little, little, little ark of bulrushes they laid little baby Moses in there. And they sent him down the Nile River in Egypt and give him to God because they wouldn't turn him in. They wouldn't abort him. They give him to God. And I can see Moses as he considers what's behind him. 
And he said, oh, what mercy. Let God let my mother and father keep me. And as he thinks about that day, though he don't remember because he was a baby, but he's been told often in his life. He thinks about that day that Pharaoh's daughter come by to wash some things that day and, 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 and she looks out on the river and, and she sees this little ark floating down the river and the crocodiles didn't eat him and the, and the sea critters didn't get him. She said, oh, that's one of them, or that's one of them uh, Israelite babies. And she gets him and she takes him home. And, and, and he's heard this story over and over again. And he says, oh, what mercy that God kept me in my infancy, that God kept me in my youth. He thinks about how they sent for someone to help with this baby. And it just so happened to be that the, that the one who was sent was Moses' own mother. His mother got to raise him in Pharaoh's palace and tend to him and take care of him. Are y'all hearing me? Are y'all done with me? He said, how did I get here? I'm talking about a man, he's leaving this world and he's thinking about his life. He said, oh, I wish y'all would consider what's behind you. He says, I'm thinking of what's behind me. It was the mercy of God that kept me when I should have been killed. I should have been destroyed. I can see Moses as he, and I'm nearly done preaching tonight, I can see Moses as he, as he considers his life and he remembers coming up as a young person and, and he remembers that day that he, in anger he strikes the, uh, the, the Egyptian because he'd rather suffer affliction with the people of God than enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season and, and, and he has to run for his life in that terrible time when all of his world is turned upside down and he, and he has to leave his, his royal garments, he has to leave his eyes Every palace. He has to leave his, his, his butler and all that has been there to take care of him. He finds himself on the backside of a desert. But it is not just that he finds himself on the backside of a desert, but it is that he finds a wife on the backside of a desert. And it is that he finds God on the backside of the desert. And I'm trying to tell you tonight that God does not just exist in the ivory palace of life, but if you're on the backside of a desert and nobody knows where you are or who you are, there's a good God in glory that knows exactly where you are. It is God's mercy that showed up there on that backside of the desert and put Moses in contact with his wife and with his father-in-law. It is there that God sets a bush on fire. Oh, I'm just walking through Moses' life considering the mercy behind him. There's a whole lot of mistakes behind him. But in all those mistakes, there's mercy behind him. And one day he turns and he looks and the bush is on fire. And it is not consumed. And God speaks from that burning bush. And he hears the voice of God. And he says, take off thy feet, Moses, for the place where thou standest is holy ground. Moses, I want you to go. And I want you to tell Pharaoh And he marches down there to tell Pharaoh all these things. And God keeps him alive. And God does everything he said he was going to do. And Moses said, I'm going to tell y'all, oh, there's been mercy in my life. Mercy. I could go on and on. I won't take the time. 
Let's fast forward 40 years in the wilderness, leading a bunch of hard-headed, there's probably some independent Baptists in that crowd, I think. There's people, I know that. Anytime you get people in the crowd, they're hard-headed. But God had kept him. He sat down and said, I'm just thinking. I wish y'all would think about where God's brought you because I've been doing a lot of it. And I'm here to tell you there's some mistakes back there. I'm here to tell you there's some mercy back there. Consider the mercy that's behind you. Young people tonight, come to the piano, please. Young people tonight, you say I ain't lived that long, no, but how much mercy has got you to where you are? Married folks, you say, preacher, there was a time we nearly didn't make it. <laughs> but look what the mercy of God has done. Preacher, I could take you to a time when things in my life were finished. I was consumed. But what I thought was finished, it ain't over. Oh, y'all help me tonight. Consider the things behind you. How about this? I know I just got you up here, but you can stay up here. Come back up here, Daniel. Saying that, that was before Jesus walked in. Anybody want to take just a little bit of time tonight to brag on him for his manifold mercy? There's mercy behind me. There's mistakes back there, but there's mercy back there. Hallelujah. 